0: A little history about the soccer match tonight. This is a church we have had friendship with over the past 10 years. Kavidi Kavkama is the pastor and uh, most of the congregation is from uh, Congo. And he is encouraged as we interact with them and partner with them. They are part of the same movement we are part of. And they, and they meet just around the corner from us. Uh, strong believers in Jesus Christ. Um, many in their congregation have uh, undergone a lot of suffering in their own country and the transition to this one. And he tells me just by showing up and interacting with them is a huge encouragement to them. I know many times we like to think about going all around the world on all these great mission trips, and that's great. But rather than planning a mission trip to uh, Congo, um, you can just come to the park tonight and interact and encourage them. And, and I'll just tell you, you will be more encouraged. You will be more encouraged probably than encourage them. They're, they're wonderful and encouraging, brothers and sisters in the Lord. So let me encourage you to be there, whether you play soccer or not. So hopefully you'll see there at 6. This morning, I'm going to talk about something we all have a lot of. We are going to talk about patience and um, get a lot of that. And I want to share with you a very insightful definition from an 87-year-old man, author and scholar, uh, J.I. Packer. Here's a good definition we're going to hang on to. Patience is the Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. Patience is the Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. Now, you can think about everything that's maddening in your life right now. Perhaps other people are driving you nuts. And you just are waiting for one more interaction before you go off on them. Not just are other people maddening, but timing issues. I I wonder how many people right now are dealing with timing issues. You're waiting for something to happen and the waiting is killing you. And maybe you're wanting to force things through because you have no patience on timing issues. And it's not just external issues that deal and test our patience. It's also internal issues. There are the same... Foolish mistakes and perhaps the same sin patterns you've been doing over and over again, and you are starting to lose patience even with yourself. Or it may be suffering, suffering in your mind, your heart, your body. You're wondering, when is it going to end? And you are being tested in your patience. And lastly, one I think we can all relate to in the Evanston area is all of us have issues with pace. Your pace may be out of control. And in your picked up pace, you may be lashing out at uh, your reality and your pace or other people. And you think that you can continue at this pace for the rest of your life. And many of you are starting to run out of steam and it's testing your patience. So there's a variety of areas where we need patience. This Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. And here is the bad news. You can't pull it off. You can try, you're not going to be able to pull it off. You need power. You need enabling from the Holy Spirit to produce this patience within you in these variety of circumstances where you lack it. But the good news that God gives us in his word is not only does the Holy Spirit empower us to produce this patience, he produces it in us, but God gives us means Means of his word, means of his truth that stir up this life of patience within us as it is expressed. And that's what we've been talking about all summer. We've been talking about a variety of fruit that could be produced in us called the fruit of the spirit. And if you've been hanging out with us, we've gone through love and joy and peace and now we come to patience. And and as I look around, I realize that many of you are are new to our church, you don't, you You've not been here before, I just want to kind of let you know what we do here. What we do is we preach through books of the Bible, and a few weeks we're going to start the book of Romans, and we're going to be in there a whole year, and it's going to be deep, and it's going to be heavy, and it's going to be awesome. That's a few weeks away. But right now we're going through the fruit of the Spirit, and what we've been doing is kind of jumping around and landing in one passage each week. But today I'm going to do something that I have not been trained in we are going to jump around and look at a lot of different passages on the topic of patience. Now I know we have some budding preachers in here, because we train up preachers. So you budding preachers, do not preach like this, alright? Stick to a book, stick to a passage, do not do what I'm about to do, alright? And I'm not trained in this, and I hope you don't get trained in that either. So just don't do this, But we're going to be jumping around. And as we jump around and look at different passages this morning, this is what I want you to do. Everybody in here, grab one. Grab one passage that really you need right now. Whether it's on timing issues, patience with other people, issues with your pace, or suffering. All the passages are not going to really hit you as right as one of them will. I think one of them is going to hit you this morning. And what I want you to do, grab it, take it, And make it yours during the week, that you meditate on, you talk to God about, one passage. And whatever devotionals that you are doing right now, maybe you're doing the Bible in a year or you're doing something else, if you struggle with this patience issue, I'm going to tell you something, put your devotions aside this week, grab whatever passage you're going to grab this morning, and make that your meditation, make that your prayer this week. And my brothers and sisters, for those of you who hate patience issues... Please, don't just listen to sermons and then go away and do nothing. One of the most hurtful things that you can do to your own life is grow up in church and continue to go to church and hear sermons and do nothing. That is so damaging to your spiritual life. So if you've come here and you're going to sit in the pew again, listen to another sermon, and do nothing might be a good idea to act like you're going to the bathroom and just leave. Because if you don't want to do anything, you are hurting yourself by sitting here under God's word right now. So if you have issues, patience, grab a passage. One of the passages I'm going to be throwing up today and hang on to it for your life this week. All right? So we're going to start with the first area in need of patience, and that has to do with people. Anybody have issues with people? One person. Good. Two people. Great. Three, four. Good. Great. People are maddening. Isn't that right? I mean, just like, if you you may be thinking there are some people that you know that drive you nuts. Well, right now, some people are thinking about you. (laughs) And I think there's two sets of people that we have issues with. Now we have harsh people that can test our patience, and we have difficult people that can test our patience. Now, the harsh people in the Bible are those who are usually persecuting believers. They're going off on them for their faith. And maybe you have someone like that in your life. But more than likely, you have someone in your life right now who is very harsh with you. And they don't like you. Maybe they're your boss. Maybe they're someone in your family. They, they just do not like you. What is to be your response of patience to those who are harsh with you? Let's start with our first passage, and it comes from First Peter. Let's actually turn to this one, I'll put the rest of them up. but first Peter. 1 Peter, chapter two. What do you do with those who are really harsh? Maybe those persecute you for your faith? They are generally opposed to you. First Peter, Chapter two. And the context of this passage is servants being sur- uh, subject to harsh masters. And the motivation, we're going to see motivation in all these passages, the motivation here is that you can be patient because God sees what's going on and God's going to judge one day. So let me just read it to you. It starts 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. There it is. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was the seat found in his mouth. When he was reviled... He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So here's the idea Jesus being persecuted, being killed, suffering. He could have hit back. He could have said, Forget this. I'm going to take revenge on you right now. I'm coming after you. He did not. He kept silent and he trusted himself. To his father, because his father sees, and his father will judge justly. And now the call is for you to imitate Christ. And what you're supposed to think when someone's coming after you, when they are harsh with you, when they are trying to destroy you, you're supposed to pull back and say, you know what? I'm going to be patient with you. I'm not going to go off on you. I'm going to pull back and say, okay, God, you see what's going on here. And God, I'm going to entrust myself to you that you're going to do what you want to do in your timing. So like Christ, the motivation can be, God, you see, God, you're going to take care of it. I'm not going to lash out. I'm going to be patient and endure this suffering. Now, my my guess is most of you right now, there's probably a handful that you're like, this is my passage. So this week, grab this passage, meditate on it, ask God to give you Patience to pull back when you want to jack somebody, right? Pull back. Say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Patience. So it's not just harsh people that we have problems with. Most of us, on a daily basis, have problems with difficult people. Difficult people. And and Paul knew this. Uh, He he actually wrote in the book of Colossians, I'll put it up for you, on on enduring difficult people within the church. This is Colossians chapter 3. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, the idea of patience here is one of bearing with one another. Now, when you think of this, don't always think of those really big, harsh, in your face things that someone does wrong to you. Just think it more in terms of those little daily irritating interactions that you have with other people. Because they're just difficult. And sometimes you're difficult. And they look at you being difficult too. See so these daily difficult interactions. And, and Paul's getting at it and said, hey, he's like, hey, bear with one another. Forgive one another. Be patient. Pull back. Don't strike out. You can be patient. You can forgive because that is the way that God interacts with you. If you are not patient with other people, perhaps you do not believe that God is patient with you. What are you conveying to someone else if you're not patient with them? That you have your stuff together and God's cool with you, right? That's He's patient with you. The Apostle Paul conveyed the patience of God when he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15 and 16, I'll put this up for you as well. It says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display, now you can underline this, you can even underline it in the Pew Bible, he might display his perfect patience and his example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Do you get this? Paul's like saying, you know what? I am the chief of sinners, and Jesus, he was patient with me, and he displayed this unlimited patience with me. That means that no sinner is out of the reach of God's patience. That is our gospel message, that we have sinned against God, every single one of us. God rightfully could squash us like ants in his wrath, send us to hell forever, but in his great patience, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sin, rose again, and now the good news is, God is patient with you, and he's patient with you to forgive you, if you repent and believe. Some of you may wonder, why hasn't God, well, you know, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Well, that's the answer. Well, he's patient. There's still people that need to repent, and maybe that's you, In no matter what you've done, you can repent. Because God is patient. But get this. Even after you're a believer, you are still a target of God's ongoing patience. Yeah, yeah, you're perfect in the sight of God, but in actual reality, you're not perfect. You still have issues. You still are being sanctified. You're still slow to get it. One woman explains it like this this is a good explanation. She said that she viewed her life like Tarzan. So she's swinging on a vine. And she's swinging from one idol, swinging to the next idol, and swinging to the next idol of these newfound gods. And so she was pursuing this this great music career that she thought would give her all the happiness. And then she started pursuing success in another area, pursuing success in relationships. So she's swinging from one tree to the next of these idols. And she felt like God was saying to her, hey, you think that there's going to be happiness here? You don't want the tree, you want the author of the forest. Happiness is in me. And I think about God's patience with us when we're string, string, you know, swinging from tree to tree, and idol to idol. Think about your life just this week. Did you pursue your joy and happiness in God alone? Just think about this week. Ch- chances are no. You're probably swinging from one idol to the next thing it's going to bring you happiness, and you're trying this, you're doing this, and, and you're just being kind of foolish. And, and God did not say, okay, I am now going to squish you like an ant. No. He's patient with you. You showed up here. You're getting grace. You're hearing his word. He's merciful to you. Do you feel it? And if you do, how dare you, how dare me, get impatient with someone else and their issues. Do I believe the gospel of patience of God with me? And if I do, how dare I go and want to squish someone else? We are called to be patient with others because God has been patient with us. So if you have issues this week with difficult people, whether they be your kids, your parents, your husband, your wife, people at work, people on the road, I don't know who, pull back and say, you know what, God's unlimited patience, I'm his target and I need it today and may you extend it today. So perhaps you have some passages that you can cling to there, but now let's go and shift gears and talk about timing. Many of you right now are going through maddening timing issues. You want life to speed up so that you can finally get on with it. Maybe you are looking for a job. You're like, let's just speed up. Maybe you were looking to get married. You're like, let's just hurry this up. Or maybe you're just waiting for some huge resolution to an issue you just want to get it over with. And the waiting is driving you crazy, and perhaps you're wanting to help God along. And maybe you want to speed the process up in your impatience. Now, there's a story in the Bible uh, of two different kings. Maybe you've heard of them. It was King Saul and King David. And King Saul and King David each had a different reaction to God's timing. Now, let me tell you about Saul. This one time Saul had a Philistine army that he was facing, and if he would wait for God's timing, God would bring victory. Very simple. So, but what started to happen is that people in Saul's army uh, looked kind of puny, and they were hiding, and they, people were just deserting all over the place. And it's, but all Saul had to do was wait for Samuel to come. Samuel would come, make the sacrifice, and they would win. God said, wait. He should have waited. But Saul just kind of getting impatient. He's like... This is not going good. And so Saul goes ahead and he shouldn't have done this. He went ahead and he offered the unauthorized sacrifice because he's trying to force God's hand. Let's go ahead and bring victory. And God's like, no, you didn't do it my way. You're out of here. And Saul was gone as king eventually. And then you have this other guy named David. Maybe you've heard of him. He was God's anointed king. God said, you're going to be the king. And then when God anointed him and God said, you're going to be the king, you know, David, did you, you ever see his life? He's anointed, and then he pulls back. He knows he's anointed king, but Saul's still there, and he doesn't exert his anointed kingship. He pulls back. He has opportunities, and he pulls back opportunities. And he's like, I'm going to wait on God's sovereign timing to put me where he wants to put me in his way. And it's amazing throughout the Bible how you see David pulling back. God's even authorized him to be the king, pulling back until that just The right time. He's even undergoing suffering, and he's pulling back. You constantly think, pull back, pull back. I'm going to wait on God's time. Wait on God's timing. And then we have King David say, you you can see his heart here, in Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. You see his heart. He says in Psalm 40, I'll wait it patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the fiery bog, and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. Well, that's, that's a good passage to hold on to. And so when you find yourself right now waiting on God's timing, are you more like Saul or are you more like David? Not, I don't want to see a show of hands this time, but how many of you are trying to sinfully speed up the process? How many of you are trying to sinfully force God's hand you, you want something to happen, you've been praying about it, it's not happening, so you want to kind of like get it going. I, I just think about um, most of our church is, is single, I mean, many of them are gone right now because they're students, uh, but as I interact with single people, they can hear in high school, if they're believers, you know, they can say, okay, it is wise for me to one day marry another believer. That's a wise choice, Right? And so they can keep that wisdom and then go to college and go, okay, it's wise for me to marry another believer. And then the 20s start to happen and maybe the 30s start to happen. And so we can have these strong convictions. But as time passes, no one seems to be on the horizon. And maybe somebody else who's not a believer seems to be enticing. They may think, you know, I've been waiting on God long enough. I'm going to try to make this thing happen myself. And rather than waiting on God's perfect, sovereign, good control plan, force God's hand. I'm going to get married. I mean, this can happen in so many different ways. If you, we have adults here who have children, and maybe your kids are not following Jesus. They're kind of like the prodigals. They're, they're off doing their own thing. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to force their repentance by cutting them, just cut them off. And the God's like, no, no, don't do that. Love them. Pray for them. And there are others in our congregation who have timing issues with regard to children. Maybe you want to have children biologically or you want to have children through adoption and things do not seem to be happening fast enough. And so you want to push it, push it, push it in ways that don't honor God. And yet God's saying, look, I'm in control of your life. I'm in control of your timing. I'm going to work out my good and sovereign plan and my time. My brothers and sisters, the patient thing for us to do is to pull back and say, God, you be God, I'm not going to try to force your hand. Because when I try to force God's hand, it's a mess. How about you? How's that going when you're doing that? It's not going so fast. It's a patiently pull back, wait on God's timing. So perhaps that's a good passage for some of you, but now we come to the issue of suffering. And I'm going to just say straight up, this is the one that I need. Be patient in because when you are suffering you want to get out of it things don't seem fair things may seem off and you're starting to cling to the lord but then maybe you're starting to doubt him and you want to do things on your own to get out of the suffering and i'm just wondering as you think about the bible if you know the bible what did the early church do when they were suffering like what was their hope and it, and it seems to me when you consistently read the bible the early church Seems to really be motivated to be patient because Jesus is coming back. And maybe we don't talk about Jesus coming back much, but that was a pretty big deal for the early church. In fact, that was their big hope to patiently pull back even in their suffering. And I must say, right now, the the personal internal suffering that I've been feeling um, has produced tears, has produced like panic. And I have been living in a certain passage. And I want to share that passage with you. This is my passage. Let's turn there. Uh, James. Look at James chapter 5. This is my passage. I'll be impatient and suffering. James chapter 5. For those of you who are suffering right now, this may be a great one for you. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. It starts in James 5, starting at verse 7. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. I don't know about you, but when I suffer, one of the things that I can tend to do is what they're doing in this passage that they're warned against is they can start to complain or grumble against other people or just complain in general. And, and I'm just wondering, is that kind of your how you're rolling right now? You're complaining a lot? Like if, you, if I could pull your life back and say, what's going on? Would you say that there's a lot of complaint and grumbling in your life right now? And it's just because things aren't going right and you, maybe you're suffering. And... The exhortation here from, from, from James, rather than this complaint of life's not fair, we are to be those who are patient, waiting for the return of the Lord, waiting for the Lord's mercy like Job. For those who I'm close to, I am just a mess. I, I don't, I have such messed up thoughts and feelings and emotions about suffering right now my own life and just what's going on. And I think, man, God, I'm going to fix this. Give me a solution to fix this. I'm not going to wait for the Lord's return. I'm going to fix this now. I don't want to just sit around and wait. But you know, it's a more and more I turn different ways to fix it. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. And it keeps hitting me back and hit me back again. I, I just can't fix this. And so with early believers, says, wait for the Lord's return. Wait for the mercy. Wait for the compassion. It's coming. And we sing a song that God's making all things new, and there's a time when He comes back, He's going to make everything new, and it's including this suffering and this injustice and this pain. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Romans, Romans 8.25. He says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So we hope in the Lord's return and the renewal of all things and I, I know some of you are suffering right now, big time, and a lot of it just can't be fixed right now. There's got to be a waiting, a waiting, a waiting. Well, we're almost done here. We're gonna, now we're going to talk about patience with your own self. How many of you are driving yourself nuts right now? Yeah. Yeah, that tends to be my problem, too. We, like, drive ourselves crazy. We get so impatient with ourselves. We're like, did I just do that same sin over again? Did I just do the same? Like, how can we possibly? If someone else was looking at their life, they would say, well, how can they possibly keep doing that same stupid thing over and over again? But now you, maybe you're saying that to yourself. How can I possibly? Well, how about some patience with yourself and your own growth? Philippians chapter 3, uh, 13 and 14, the apostle says, uh, brothers... I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here, you know what? I have some sin failures in the past, this little righteousness-seeking thing. Well, you know what? I'm not going to keep dwelling on that and get stumbled by that and be tripped up by that. I'm going to move forward in Christ. And I know some of you right now, you're doing this mental berating. You're just, you're just critical of yourself all the time. You have no patience with yourself. You, have, you don't want to receive God's grace or forgiveness. I mean, especially in this context where there's just a room full of perfectionists in here. There is just no room for patience for yourself. And unfortunately, when you're not patient with yourself, you tend to be really mean to other people as well. And so how about some patience for yourself? Like, okay, I am being sanctified. This is a progressive sanctification. I'm going to move away from all the stuff that's happened in the past. Of course, I'm still reaping what I sow, and that's okay. But I'm going to move forward in Christ. I'm going to move forward and pursue Christ and let him sanctify me and grow. And so that would be a good kind of a good little speech to yourself today. Let's move on. Let's just kind of move on. Let's move on and pursuing Christ. Let's receive his grace, forgiveness on the cross, and keep going forward. And this brings us to the last issue that most of us deal with on a daily basis, and that is one of pace. Your pace is creating impatience with other people and your circumstances. Whether you're driving, I'm glad many of you don't drive. It's good that you take the train. It's safer. Maybe you're impatient at work, your kids, your parents, classmates, It's almost like if people don't pick up the pace, I'm going to go off. You have this pace, and you want to keep it up. And so rather than, um, let me just tell you about this family. There's this family that moved to the Chicago area. Now, I know some of you come from towns that are small, and when you come to Chicago, you're like, what is going on here? They're just like people are going everywhere all the time, and the pace picks up, especially if you come from a small town. So there, one time, this family moved to the Chicago area many years ago, and the pace picked up. And the, this guy, he was a leader. He's like, he called his spiritual mentor, and he said, "I, I want to know how I can be spiritually healthy in this environment where the pace is just killing us." So he called his wise mentor, and he was, they were on the phone. And he said, what, what can you tell me so I can be spiritually healthy? And this is what his wise mentor said. He said, This you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so the, the guy was on the phone with him. He's like, okay. He wrote that down. And he's like, okay, what's next? And the guy said, Well, there is no next. That's it you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, I'm not talking about busyness because, you know, most of us are busy because you, you're busy because you're responsible. You're doing stuff and you're fishing, you're cranking things out. But you and I both know a distinction between being busy and being in a hurry. And when we are in a hurry, we are not patient people. Yes? Is that right? And so we need to ruthlessly eliminate this hurry portion of our life in order to exhibit this patience. So instead of giving you a passage, I'm going to give you a practice. Instead of giving you a passage here, I'm going to give you a practice. And I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you how to do that. If you practice this practice, I believe it will change your whole perspective of pace. But I also believe that most of you won't do it. You won't do it because you don't believe it's going to help you. You, you, don't, you won't do it because you, you, you actually just lack faith. And so are you ready for this practice I'm about to give you? It's a practice called Sabbath. You ever heard of that? How many of you practice, observe, whatever wording you want to use, some form of Sabbath rest? you know, most of us are probably going to be convicted on that. That's something we don't talk about much. Now, the Sabbath that we're talking about, uh, I want to put up a book for you. I've been reading recently about, it's called A Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And he says in one of his uh, chapters, he says, you better rest yourself before you wreck yourself. And And he tends to go into the comments on the Sabbath. And Concerning the Sabbath command, he says, you know, when you think about the command, it points ultimately to the rest we should find in salvation alone in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that as New Testament believers that we totally throw out the observance of this Sabbath rest. And we don't do it like the Old Testament would do it. Uh, Some people can argue on certain days, whether it should be on the Lord's Day today or another day uh, of the week. But however your arguments fall, there still needs to be this rest in your life, a, a day that you set aside where you're not going to crank your normal routines and you're actually going to rest. And when you do this, it's going to give you a perspective on pace. But the reason you won't do this is because you think that you're very godlike. Those of you who do not observe a Sabbath are trying to play God. Because you can't get everything done. You're like, well, I'm going to work seven days a week. I'm going to crank seven days a week. I'm going to get everything done. Because I, can, I, need, I need seven days to pull it all off. And God says, no, you don't. Six for you. Rest. And as you rest, you pull back. You see your pace. And you go, wow, my life is crazy. I need to slow down. I need to trust God. I need to eliminate this hurry. And I'm telling you, Sabbath, observant, rest, however you want to find it, will give you this perspective. And for, for those of you, most of you will probably be on a Sunday. For pastors and such, it's not Sunday. It's another day. But when I was in uh, grad school, what we call for pastors, seminary. When I was in seminary, life there is very crazy. Uh, they want you to read and study all these books. But I, I made it my goal. In seminary, I'm going to take a day a week and I'm not going to study. If I fall behind, I fall behind. But one day a week, I'm not going to say it. So on Sunday morning, I would sleep in. Maybe instead of getting up at 5 or 5.30, maybe I'd get up at 6. So, so I'd sleep in, and then I would go to church and worship my brothers and sisters on this, on this day. And then I would go out to lunch with them. And, and then in the afternoon, take a little nap, and then I'd wake up and go out in the parking lot, play a little filled hockey with the brothers and sisters, and then uh, I would go have dinner with my grandma and then go to bed, and you're like, man, that is such a boring day. You didn't accomplish anything. Pull back from studying, put it aside, today, I'm just going to rest. You're not God. I guarantee you, you start practicing some form of Sabbath rest, you will get massive perspective on your pace It's like your pace will pull back. You will pull back. Sabbath rest will eliminate hurry from your life. Just pick one day. Let's not quibble. Pick one day that's gonna be your day of rest. So what are you gonna grab hold of? What's your passage? What's your practice? Please, please do not leave here and have all these impatient issues and then do nothing. The Holy Spirit, the fruit of God, wants you to produce in your life a patience. But he uses the means of his word, his truth, to stir us up to produce it. So what is it? Is it, is it people issues? Is someone just really annoying? Is it, is it a timing issue? Is it a suffering issue? Is it pace, impatience? What is it? Whatever it is, take it to the Lord this week. Grab a hold of his truth. Grab a hold of his word. Create a new practice of rest. And crouch and say, God, I am an impatient person. I praise you for your patience. Now may it flow through me out to others. Let's pray. Lord, there is much that is maddening in this world because this is a very sinful world. And in in your impatience, you could have wiped us out. But in your patience, you waited. You sent your son Jesus to forgive us. You stirred us up when we were rebelling against you. And even now, you're so patient with us. May that fruit, that patience, be produced by the Spirit through us. May we not be so lazy and so impatient that we're done with this message today and done with your word until we meet again next time. Lord, I just ask that you would stir the hearts of my brothers and sisters to look to you, to look to your truth, to pull back from their pace and to rest in you, find hope in you, find hope in what you're going to do in the future. Until then, Lord, may we just continue to cling to you today with our eyes on you The one who is in control, the one who is patient with us, the one who loves us. In Jesus your name we pray. Amen.